Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be back again, and I uh, look forward to uh, just opening up God's Word this morning and, and hearing what the Lord has to say to us all, uh, to me, to all of us. And uh, we just pray that above all, God would be given the glory this morning. And indeed, as his word is preached, that um, God would be glorified, magnified, and honored above all. I wonder if you could turn with me to Ruth and chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3, and we're going to read um, from verse 1. Before we turn... To God's word, let's just come before the Lord in prayer. Let's just pray. Eternal Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Father, for just the joy of our salvation. We thank you, Father, for the one who gave his life on the cross at Calvary. We thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ who obediently went onto that cross, even unto death, and indeed took that punishment in our place. And we thank you, Father, through his shedded, shred, shedded blood, we have been redeemed. We have been redeemed by his blood. We have been purchased. And indeed, Father, we thank you that we have been saved for all eternity. Father, we thank you that on that third day, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And we can declare with a certainty, our Redeemer lives. And because he lives, we live. We thank you, Father, that even though we were dead in trespasses and iniquities, we are now alive in Christ. We are now saved for all eternity, and we've entered into a new and living relationship with the living God. Father, we are a privileged people. We are a blessed people. And indeed, Father, we rejoice this morning in our salvation. Father, we thank you for uh, this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word and to hear you speak to us through your, through your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray this morning that wherever we are, wherever each heart is at in the journey of faith, we pray, Father, that your word would meet them at the very point of their need and that they would be strengthened, Father, this morning by the, the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And indeed, Father, as we are so often given to be temporally minded, Father, we pray this morning that our hearts and minds would be centered on the things of eternity rather than the things of this world that are passing away. And indeed, Father, for anyone here this morning who is putting their hopes and, and, and their, their, their heart in the things of this world, who, who has yet not come to the Lord Jesus Christ, who has yet are hoping that good works and good living and maybe the environment that they've been brought in, uh, up in, Father, is enough to get them right with God. We pray this morning that they would realize their need of a Savior, their need of a Redeemer, their need to come in saving faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, be with us now. Center our hearts and minds in your Word. And indeed, above all, Father, we pray that you would be given, and you alone would be given the glory. And we pray these things in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Ruth chapter 3 and verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself, put on your best garment, and go down to the threshing floor. 
but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down, and you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, All that you say to me, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that that the man was startled and turned himself. And there a a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Verse 10, then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of of my town know know you are a virtuous woman. Now, it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning that shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she laid his feet until morning, and, and she arose before one could recognize another. And then he said, Do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also said, he said, Bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. Then she came to her mother-in-law. She said, Is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave me. For he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. And finish reading at the end of chapter 3. So, as, as Dave said there, we're going through a, a study in, in Ruth. We've got to Ruth chapter 3, and it's been a couple of weeks since I've been here. And just to kind of link into the, to the story this morning, just give you a little summary of where we are in our story in Ruth. Right at the very beginning of Ruth, we were introduced to a nation that was facing famine. And as we had reflected at that time, uh, Israel was going through a famine that indicates that Israel was not in a good place spiritually. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, if, if God's people are close to the Lord, then God will bless the land. But if they're distant from the Lord, then God will curse the land. And given that there's a famine in the land, it tells us that Israel is in a spiritual mess. But the hope is that God is love. And given that God is love, we know that even though Israel is in a spiritual mess, God is still moving in the messiness. God is still fulfilling His plans and His purposes. We then are presented with a family, the household of Elimelech, the head of the home, Elimelech, and then his wife, Naomi, and then their two sons. And because there's a famine in the land, they cross over the border to Moab. They leave the promised land. They leave God's people. They leave the presence of the Lord and go into the world. They go across the border to Moab. And as we said at that time, one could look at that and go, he had no choice. He had to cross the border. He needed to go into the world. His family was starving. Surely there's a legitimate reason for distancing themselves from the Lord and the Lord's people and leaving the promised land. But there's never a legitimate reason for sinning. We do it all the time. 
We justify sin in our own heart and in our own lives. We justify not sharing our faith because of the world in which we live in. We justify going the direction of the world so that we'll fit in. We justify not sharing and talking about the Lord Jesus Christ to our neighbors because we want to keep the peace. We justify sin so many times. I do anyway. But there's never a justifiable reason for sinning. Even though there was a famine, even though there was danger for the family of Elimelech, he should never have crossed the border, but he did. And there was consequences of being in Moab. And, and, and as I said at the time, and I've said a number of times when I've been at this pulpit, as a believer, if you are in Moab, get out of Moab, get back with the Lord, be restored and revived this very morning, because there's consequences to distancing yourself from the Lord, not just to you, but to those around you, to those you love, to those who are in your circle. It impacts on everybody. And so they cross over to Moab, and sadly, uh, during that period of, of, of being in Moab, Elimelech dies. Naomi is left on her own. Uh, the two sons, uh, Chilion and Malon, they, 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 they marry two ladies, Ruth and Orpah. But the two sons then die. And so you have a situation here, not a very good situation, where Naomi, the mother, the mother-in-law, are left, uh, uh, and Ruth and Orpah, the two daughters-in-law, are left on their own. But God moves in the messiness. There's hope because God is love, and Israel is being restored. Israel is being revived. There's food coming back to the land. God is visiting His people again. God is moving in the messiness, and that revived people draws Naomi back. And Naomi starts moving back, out of Moab, back to the promised land, and Ruth and Orpah want to go with her. And they're put, if you like, to a spiritual test. Whether Naomi does it deliberately or not, they're put to a spiritual test. Are you genuine? Is your, is your turning from Moab and turning to the, to the Lord and the Lord's people, is, is, is that real? Is that, is that a genuine and sincere faith? Well, they're put to that test, and Orpah stays and remains in Moab, but Ruth clings on to Naomi, and she goes across the border back to the promised land, back to the Lord, the Lord's people. And Naomi crosses that border, making it very clear where she is spiritually. I left full, and I'm returning empty. But Naomi and Ruth are back in Israel, and in chapter 2, we're introduced to a new character, Boaz. And Boaz is, is, is introduced to us as a, as, a, as a relative of the household of Elimelech, a family member. And, and it confirms to us as well, because Boaz is, is a wealthy man, he's a land-owning man, he's a, he's, he's, he's a man who is recognized of, because of his prominence and his status, and it's very clear again, and it confirms to us again, there's Boaz, part of the family of Elimelech, and he stayed, he didn't cross the border, and the Lord blessed him. And I'm not talking about material blessing, but the spiritual blessing that Boaz received from the Lord by being obedient, by not crossing over that border, by not going in to Moab. And again, the story unfolds, and Ruth goes to the field where Boaz uh, was at, the, Bo the Boaz owned. And Ruth goes there, and it says in the passage, she happened to go there. And we made the point that, you know, she didn't, humanly speaking, she happened to go there, but she turned up at that field because God brought her to that place. And Boaz was in that field that Ruth was in because God brought Boaz to that place. 
God is sovereign. God is fulfilling His purposes and plans for their life and indeed for our lives. Sometimes it it doesn't make sense. Sometimes there's a lot of uncertainty. But God is fulfilling His purposes for His people. And He brings them together. He brings them to that field. He brings them for that time together. And Ruth, and Ruth, she... Uh, fulfills her duties and, and is, 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 is gleaning in the, in, the, in the fields. And then we're introduced to Boaz. We're, we're brought into Boaz's office. We're brought into his uh, workplace. We meet his staff. In one verse, we see Boaz saying to the laborers, may the Lord be with you. And they say, may the Lord bless you. Boaz is introduced as a good man, a godly man a man who loves the Lord and, and, and talks about the Lord and, and, and shares his faith. And, and that, that impacts on others around him. He's sanctifying the field that God has placed him. The laborers are being influenced and impacted by his godly living. And indeed, Boaz and Ruth, they meet together. Boaz ministers into Ruth's life like an older believer ministering into the life of a young believer. But Boaz is, is pointing more and more to the Lord Jesus Christ. As he protects, Boaz protects Ruth. And as he nourishes Ruth in that field, he points to the Lord Jesus Christ in whose hands we are safe and secure. He points to the Lord Jesus Christ who has saved us and has made us secure in him. We no longer face the wrath of God. We no longer face the judgment. We are protected in the hands of the Lord. And we're nourished daily by His Spirit and by His Word. Nourished physically, of course, but more importantly, we're nourished spiritually by the Lord Jesus Christ every day. And so as God's people, we can see, we can see Boaz pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ and pointing to the one who indeed saves and secures for all eternity. And Ruth goes back to Naomi and tells her all that had happened that day and how Boaz had looked after and protected her and and shielded her. And now the story unfolds. And Naomi is seen as she has come back empty, as she has come back into uncertain times. She is now getting a glimpse of God's purpose. She's now getting a glimpse of God's plans. She is now getting a glimpse that God is moving in the messiness of her life and indeed of the life of Ruth and Boaz. Now we come to verse 1 of chapter 3, and it says here, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it might be well with you? Now, Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? Now, this is a very important passage. And it's confirming to us and reaffirming to us that that Boaz is not just any ordinary family member. Boaz is is what is referred to as a goel, a G-O-E-L. In other words, he is the kinsman redeemer of the family. He's a very special person in in the family unit with very special responsibilities and obligations. He is the kinsman redeemer. And those special responsibilities and obligations, we can read about it in Leviticus. One of them in Leviticus uh, 25 and verse 48, he had a responsibility, uh, the kinsman redeemer has the responsibility to buy back uh, uh, an Israelite out of slavery. And Leviticus 25 verse 25, he has a responsibility to buy back any family land that has been forfeited 
And then in Deuteronomy 25 and verse 5 to 10, he has a responsibility, the kinsman redeemer, to marry a childless widow of the family so that the family name and the family inheritance can be continued. So Boaz is, is not just a normal family member. He's not just a good guy. He's not just a godly man. He's the kinsman redeemer, a special person in the household of Elimelech with those special responsibilities. And one of them, as we read in Deuteronomy, is to, is to, is to take uh, uh, off, off the family uh, a, a widow, a childless widow, and take that w- widow as his wife. You know, when we think of Redeemer, when we think of Boaz, Boaz points us to our Redeemer, points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do we mean by redemption? What, what does that mean? And, and you've, you've heard, I'm sure, many of you have heard that word mentioned many, many times before. He is our Redeemer and, and, and redemption. What does it mean? It, it literally means to, to buy back. And, and, and what, does, what does the Lord buy us back from? See, the reality is, brothers and sisters and friends, that everybody in this room is not perfect. You know that. We all agree with that. There's nobody who would disagree with that. Whether a believer or not, I would say everybody agrees with the fact that no one is perfect. And the Bible gives greater depth to that statement, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. All of us are conceived in iniquity. Everybody can see that. That's the reality of the human condition. We are born, we are conceived in sin. Our natural inclination is to sin, is to disobey God, is to rebel against God. You can see that right across the world. Man is given over to sin, and more than that, he's under the power of sin, under the slavery of sin. And whatever your age, whatever your standing, whatever your background, whatever your family, whether poor or wealthy, we are all slaves to sin right from the very beginning. We are all caught in that bondage, and we face the consequences of that. We face the punishment from God for our sin, for our disobedience. A righteous God, a holy God must punish sin. And we are caught in that bondage. God's Word reminds us in, the, in, in Ephesians, we once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the, the, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's what we once were. We were once in bondage to sin, and we needed to be set free. And we couldn't set ourselves free. We couldn't pay that price. We just couldn't do it. And we were slaves to sin. We were under bondage of sin. We needed a redeemer. The world could not redeem us. Man could not redeem us. Money could not redeem us. Only the Lord Jesus Christ could redeem us, could purchase us from the slave market of sin. And the Lord Jesus Christ on that cross at Calvary paid that price, that price that we could never pay. He paid it in full on the cross at Calvary, in full, through the shedding of His precious blood. The Lord Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. He is the one who has redeemed us, 
has bought us back from the slavery of sin. When you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are putting your faith not in a dead Redeemer, but one who rose from the dead on the third day. You are putting your faith in a Redeemer who lives. And you are putting your faith in the one who could save you, who could redeem you, who could pay for your sins in full and could set you free. You know, brothers and sisters, there's a lot going on in our world, and there's a lot going on in our lives. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what you're dealing with. But this morning, let's rejoice in our redemption. Let's rejoice in our Redeemer. Let's rejoice in our salvation. We are saved for all eternity. So easy it is to to, to focus on the temporal things. I understand that. I know that. So easy it is to get worried. So easy it is to, to feel discouraged. So easy it is to fall into sin. I know that. But let us rejoice in our salvation. Let us rejoice that our Redeemer lives. Let us rejoice that the price has been paid. You doubt your salvation, struggling with assurance? Look to the cross. Look to your Redeemer. Look to the one who has done it all on the cross at Calvary for you, has paid the price in full. The Father was satisfied by by, by what the Lord Jesus Christ had done and had accomplished on the cross at Calvary through his death and his resurrection. And so Boaz points to our Redeemer. Let's rest in that this morning. Let's rejoice in that this morning. And you know what, as God's people, let's respond to that as well in obedience and faith. We have been redeemed, but there's a world out there that needs redeemed. There's a world out there that's lost. There's a world out there that has no hope. There's a world out there that's resting in the things of this world that, as we've said many times before, is passing away along with its desires. But the, will of, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Let's share our faith. Let's chat about the Lord Jesus Christ this week. Let's, like Boaz, set out our stall for the Lord and sanctify the field that we've been placed in. Talk about the Lord. Don't, don't say, well, well they'll, just, they'll just find out, you know, by the way that I live. No, no, they will to some extent, but you've got to share it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Share your faith. Share the gospel. Talk about the Lord. And know that many could be drawn to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Continuing on, in fact, Naomi says, he is a, he is a winnowing, barlo, bar, uh, sorry, winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor, verse 2. And verse 3, therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself, put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in and cover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. And so she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. Verse 7, and after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went down to lie, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain and she came softly and covered his feet and laid down. Naomi instructs Ruth to go to her kinsman redeemer, to go to Boaz, to go and seek marriage with that close relative that kinsman redeemer, go, go to him. And Ruth, in obedience, goes to the foot of her redeemer. She comes softly, she comes humbly, she comes obediently to the foot of her redeemer. Let me ask you this, friend. Have you come to the foot of your redeemer? 
Have you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and put your faith in the one who can redeem you, the one who can buy you back from the slavery of sin, the one who paid that price on the cross at Calvary? Have you come to the foot of your Redeemer? Or to date, you're still coming to the things of the world. You're trusting in your good works. You're trusting in your good living. You're trusting in the fact that this is nominally a Christian country and you've been brought up in a Christian family. So good living, Christian family, that should be enough to get me across the line. It won't be enough. I've got to tell you this because it's the truth. Like me, like many here, we were once in bondage to sin. Now we've been set free. But you, you friend in love, you're still in that bondage. You're still in that slave market of sin, and you need to be set free. You need to get right with God. You you need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to turn to your Redeemer. I ask you this morning, I appeal to you this morning, don't put your faith in this world. Don't put your faith in the philosophies of man. Don't put your faith in politics. Don't put your faith in any of these things. They cannot deal with your relationship with the Lord. This world faces many, many problems, as we all know. But the greatest problem the world faces is that the relationship between God and man is broken. And man faces the judgment. That, that, that goes beyond environmental concerns. That goes beyond economic concerns. That goes beyond health concerns. That goes beyond pandemic concerns. The greatest problem that mankind faces is the relationship between God and man is broken. But it can be restored. And you can be redeemed. And you can enter into a new and living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you come this morning to the food of your Redeemer. If you come to the cross. If you come to the Lord Jesus Christ in saving faith. Come to Him this morning. Put your faith in him. Turn from the world and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ while he may be found, and you will know salvation this very day. In verse 8, now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet, and he said, who are you? And so she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. You know, Ruth comes there with that humility and obedience, but an expectancy. She, She knows her Redeemer, and she comes for that safety and protection. She comes and, 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 and claims that right, that, that, that relationship with Boaz, to come into marriage with him. You know, she comes with that certainty. And you can come with that certainty too. You don't, you don't have to come to the foot of your Redeemer thinking, maybe I'll get saved, maybe I won't get saved, maybe my sins are too much, maybe my history is too complex. Maybe I haven't done enough. Maybe the Lord will not accept me. No. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, and please remember this, the Lord will accept you. The Lord will forgive you and cleanse you of all of your sins. The Lord will not turn away from you. The Lord will not turn you away from him. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ and know the certainty of salvation. Know the certainty of a new relationship with the living God. Know the certainty of being redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he said, verse 10, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. Verse 11, Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you're a virtuous woman. You know, Boaz is ready to fulfill his obligations. He's ready to to fulfill the obligations of the kinsman redeemer. He's going to do it. 
He's going to be obedient to that role, to that call. And again, he points to the Lord Jesus Christ, who was sent from heaven's glory. The the Word did indeed become flesh and dwell amongst us, and the Lord Jesus Christ was obedient, even unto death, obedient to the Father, to the will of the Father. He went onto that cross, and He gave His life for you and for me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was obedient even unto death. And because of His obedience, because He gave His life for you and for me, we can know that redemption. We can know that salvation. And you know, he makes the point, Boaz, that um, Ruth is indeed a virtuous woman. He says, uh, for all the people in verse 11 of my town know that you're a virtuous woman. And I was thinking about that just over the last few days. And you know, there's, there's, there's Ruth, this Moabite-S. She's not from those parts. <laughs> she comes over from Moab. She comes over from this pagan society. She turns to Naomi's God. She turns to the Lord. And you can just see the character of Ruth coming out, the godly character of Ruth coming out. And it's not just seen by us. It's not just seen by one or two people in the family. It's seen by everybody in the village. Everybody in the town knows Ruth to be a virtuous woman. The word on the street is, Ruth is a virtuous woman. And it reminds us, and and it challenges us, how are we seen by the world around us? If I was to go into your workplace, if I was to go into your neighborhood, if I was to go into your social circle and say, what do you think of him or what do you think of her? What would your testimony be like? What would my testimony be like? If you were to ring up some of my clients, if you were to go into the, to the office while I'm not there, please don't do that, but, you might, but, but if you did, and you walked into my office and you spoke to the girls, and what do you think of that guy, Philip? What would our testimony be like? What would, what, would our, what, what, what would our testimony be like amongst, amongst the people that we spend time with? Would they, would they say, yes, that, that's a virtuous woman, or that's a, that's a really morally upstanding person. That, that's somebody who, I don't agree with them, but they follow the Lord, and they seem to love the Lord also. Would our testimony be good? And as God's people, we need to protect our testimony. We need to make sure that our moral conduct is exemplary, that we do obey the law, that, 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 that we are virtuous, that we're not adopting worldly patterns and practices. There's not inconsistency in our life. Young people, be very careful about your testimony out there in university, in the college. The temptation to follow the world and the patterns of the world and compromise your faith and maybe for a while cross over the border to Moab. Be very careful. Do not do that because your testimony has to be exemplary. Why? Because a good testimony glorifies God. It's an obedience to Him, and it's a great testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as God's people, we need to protect our testimony. We need to make sure that we're not just, not just sharing our faith, and not just telling people we're going to church, and not just telling people that we turn up every so often to carry Fergus Baptist, but our lives needs to be reflecting Christ. We need to bless those who revile us. We need to love our enemy. We need to turn the other cheek. We need to show kindness and goodness and self-control in a world that is the very opposite of many of those things. And so as God's people, let's make sure our testimony is good. Let's let's make sure that we are like Ruth, like Boaz, a testimony that is God-glorifying, 
a testimony that is virtuous and godly and holy, not worldly and carnal and inconsistent. Verse 12, now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there's a relative closer than I. Stay the night and in the morning that shall be that he will perform the duty of a close relative for you. Good, let him do it. But he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives, lie, lie down until morning. In verse 14, so she lay at his feet until morning and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. Then she, when she came to her mother-in-law, verse, verse 16, she said, is, is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, verse 17, these six ephahs of barley he gave me. For he said to me, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Now we have... Everything just seemed to be going so well, didn't it? <laughs> Everything just so, Naomi is saying, we have a close relative here, Boaz, go to your goal, go to your kinsman redeemer, go and claim that right, go to the, to the threshing floor where Boaz is, and Ruth comes to the foot of her redeemer, and, and, and she comes to Boaz, and, and Boaz is willing to take that obligation on and that responsibility on as the kinsman redeemer. And it seems as if Ruth and Boaz are going to get married. It seems that the inheritance is going to be preserved. It, it, you can just see God's purposes and plans and all of it. And now there's uncertainty. Boaz is saying, there's actually a closer relative than I. One who will fulfill this role or could fulfill this kinsman redeemer role. I, I need to go to him to see whether he'll fulfill his responsibility, this closer relative. So there's uncertainty now in the story. And that can often happen in the Christian life, can't it? Everything's going well. Everything's going according to plan. Everything's just click clunk. Everything's good. And then suddenly uncertainty, suddenly a crisis, suddenly a threat in our lives as God's people. Suddenly trouble comes, a trial comes. And we face great uncertainty. And even as God's people, we face worry. And we even worry. We, we fear sometimes as God's people, we're, we're not to worry, but we do worry. Maybe there are people here this morning. You're worried. You're worried about uncertainty in your life. You're worried about a threat that has, approached, that has come your direction. There's chaos, perhaps, that has just entered into your life, and you're worried. And you know, the Lord has been speaking to me about worry for the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to be speaking in a men's fellowship weekend, and, or not weekend, sorry, men's fellowship night on Monday night. Uh, not this Monday, but the Monday coming. And uh, Monday next week. And I, I was preparing for 10 points, and the subject is on stepping up in the world. And, and all nine points are relevant to stepping up in the world. And then there's this other point that I put up on the board, do not worry. And I keep on going to rub it off and to change it to another point that's more relevant, but the Lord just doesn't let me keep that message of do not worry. Because I think it is relevant to my own heart, and it's relevant to all of us today. There's lots to be worried about in the world and in our own lives. But God is saying not to worry. Funny enough, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, there was a threat. Let's call it a threat. 
that I, I faced. It wasn't a threat to my life or anything, but it was a threat. And I did worry. And I was preaching in Castlereagh Baptist, and I'm drawing to a close. I was preaching in Castlereagh Baptist, and as I was going to the door, there was a little lady, an elderly lady, who was sitting there in a chair because she couldn't stand. She was out of breath. Over the last three years, she has had three heart attacks. She's been diagnosed with cancer, and she cannot get a breath. That's why she was sitting down in that little chair. She had just gone to uh, the clinic to see if she could get oxygen brought back home for her, but she was borderline, so they didn't leave her with any oxygen. So she was, leave- she was left at the door there, breathless, sitting in that little chair, waiting for someone to take her home. And I got speaking to this little lady, this godly lady, and uh, she said, you know, Philip, I used to be a real worrier. And this was the weekend that I was worried. And she said, you know, I used to be a real worrier. But, you know, recently when the doctor told me that I had cancer, uh, she said, just at that moment, I just said, Lord, I'll leave this in your hands. And she says, at that moment, she says, I got that, what do you call that verse, Philip? That peace that, that, that peace that passes all understanding. I got that. And it's never left me. And it's amazing. And now I don't worry about anything. And you know, as God's people, so often we try to do it all on our own, don't we? On our own power, on our own strength. We try to fix it ourselves rather than leaving it with the Lord. And I really believe the Lord is speaking to my heart and to all of our hearts this morning is, if you're worried this morning, leave it with the Lord. Just like that little elderly lady, she left it with the Lord. Philippians reminds us, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 reminds us, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So do not worry. God has this. Leave it in His almighty hands. Ruth had reason to worry. Naomi had cause to worry, but they didn't need to worry. Because God had a plan for their life, for the life of God's people, and for our lives as well. It's all in God's hands. Leave it in His almighty hands. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He's moving in the messiness of our life. So rest in Him, and do not worry for the things of tomorrow. The Lord has this. And so there in conclusion, you know, Ruth is told by Naomi, this is your kinsman redeemer. Go to your redeemer. And Ruth comes to the foot of her Redeemer, to Boaz at the threshing floor. And friend, I want to say one last time today, if you haven't yet come to the foot of your Redeemer, if you're still holding on to the things of the world, if you're still holding on to your good works this morning, let all of that go and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to the cross. Come to the foot of your Redeemer and give your life to Him. Confess your sins unto Him, turn from the world, and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He will forgive you of all of your sins, and cleanse you completely of all of your sins. Come to the foot of your Redeemer. And as God's people, let us rest that we are redeemed. Let us rejoice that we are redeemed, and let us respond to our redemption by sharing our faith and talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Protect your testimony, brothers and sisters in the Lord, for the glory of God in obedience to Him and as a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And as God's people, do not worry. Don't fear tomorrow. The Lord has this. Don't be anxious for anything. Come to Him. Come to the Lord. Draw close 
And that peace, that peace that that little elderly lady could testify to, that peace can be yours. And that peace can be mine, knowing that all is well with our soul, knowing that the Lord has this. Amen. Let's just close in prayer. Eternal Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for this time around your word. We thank you, Father, how we have been pointed to our Redeemer. And we thank you and praise you that our Redeemer lives. He was obedient even unto death. He went onto that cross to pay for our sins in full through the shedding of his precious blood. We were once in the slave market of sin, and now we have been bought back. We have been bought back with the price of the Lord Jesus Christ's precious blood. We have been redeemed, and we have been set free. Father, we thank you that we're in Christ. We thank you that we're safe and secure in the Master's hands. And as already been said earlier this morning, we thank you that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And Father, we thank you that even though there are times in which we face threats and challenges and complexities in our life, and we are given so often to even worry, Father, we pray this morning for anybody who is worried, for anybody who is going through uncertain times. Father, we pray that they would come to the Lord, they would draw close to their Father, and indeed that they would leave it all in your almighty hands, being anxious for nothing, but indeed experiencing the peace that passes all understanding. Humanly, it's impossible, but we thank you, Father, that you give that peace, you give that assurance, and you give that strength that only your Spirit can bring to our hearts and to our minds. So, Father, we pray that you would strengthen your people. You would strengthen them not in their own human efforts and human wisdom, but you would strengthen them in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And indeed, Father, that we would be going forth into this week, like Boaz, like Ruth, living God-glorifying lives. God-glorifying lives that reflect Christ and that others can see that distinctiveness and difference and are even drawn, drawn to the, to the brightness of Christ that flows from us. And they're drawn to inquire, drawn to ask, and maybe even by your grace and by your Spirit, drawn to the foot of their Redeemer. And Father, we pray for anybody here in this meeting this morning who have not yet come to faith in Christ. Faith in the world, yes. Faith in works also. Faith in themselves even. But Father, they haven't come to faith in Christ. Father, we pray this morning that we realize that the only way to get right with God, the only way to be redeemed, the only way to be forgiven of all sin is to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. So, Father, we pray for salvation this very morning in your will. And we pray for it across this land. Revive your people, Father, and indeed restore us to that first love so that we can move forward for your glory and for your glory alone. And we pray these things in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn is yet not I, but through Christ in me.